All right, thanks, Pam. I don't know if you're like me, but I really enjoy these these uh, request nights and that sort of thing. It's just good singing the old hymns and just uh, feeling a little bit more informal. You know, we we put on a good face on Sunday mornings, and we where we have a bigger crowd, and most of our visitors are going to come on Sunday mornings, and that's a good thing. But I always really enjoy Sunday nights because it just feels like more of a family atmosphere and. Uh, this is really the, the heart and soul of the church, you guys that are so faithful to show up. And uh, you're, you're who I'm talking to tonight, as well as myself. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Last Sunday morning, I preached the sermon out of this same passage on the church being an illustration of the body of one. And when I was preparing for it, it was intention, my intention was for it to be a single, standalone sermon. But when I had the opportunity to preach this week, uh, I thought that I'd go back and develop a second part to the sermon out of this same passage, and that's what I've done. Last week, I alluded to the fact that this imagery that Paul uses gives us such a rich, very applicable truth to the church today. And that last week I'd only touch on a few things. And, and the same sentiment applies tonight. We will not be able to exhaust all the truths from this passage, but I do want to share with you several more that we can be gleaned, we can have gleaned from this passage. So let's read verse 12 again. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, if you remember, Paul gives several illustrations throughout his writings of the church. He describes the church as a field, a family, a temple, an army, a bride. And they are all profitable for us. And here in this passage, he describes the church, those that have been saved and those that are baptized by the Holy Spirit, as like a human body. Individual Christians are grafted into this body and grafted in, uh, united with the Spirit, by the Spirit, permanently and completely joined together in Christ. Colossians 1.18 says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. There is only one body, one body, because there is only one head. And back in the first chapter of this letter, Paul asked the Corinthians if Christ has been divided. Can Christ be divided? They were struggling with problems of unity. And various factions within the church were getting caught up in following individual men instead of focusing on the true head, Jesus Christ. So we know that Jesus is one. He's indivisible. And so is the true church. So in this body of one, there is unity. There's unity. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. We are unified by our faith. And we're unified by our single purpose. And we're unified because we look forward to that day when we see Jesus face to face. 
And until that day, we persevere together, stimulating one another to love and to good deeds, encouraging one another, not forsaking our own assembling together. That's the heart of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 that we looked at last time. And within this community of believers is where we thrive. It's because we were created to be relational beings. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to live apart from the body. There is an interdependency between each member. That's the I from last week, if if some of you missed it. Interdependency. Uh, We depend on each other, just as the members of our own physical bodies and any member that is separated from the body will not benefit, will not nur- be, or receive the nourishment that it needs from the body. Now, as we study this, it's important to remember a couple of things. Uh, when, the Bi- when the Bible describes the body of Christ, it is truly describing the entire body of believers throughout history, okay, throughout all the ages. Because just, as, just like we've already noted, There is only one body, only one. But it's important to remember that this this one body, this uh, universal church, if you will, will only be able to to meet on that day in glory, that day where uh, we are finally over this life and this life has left us, it's been been tossed aside and we experience the sweetest of fellowships around the throne of God. Only then will the entire body of Christ truly be able to be present and worship together. And so until that day, what we as believers have today is this visible manifestation of the body through the local church. This local church is what we see today, this local assembly of believers that are not responsible to any other authority other than our head, Jesus Christ. It is through this local body, uh, this body that we apply the truths and live out our functions as members of the one body, through this local assembly. It's through this local church that we serve the body. You know, the New Testament Uh, repeatedly emphasizes the importance of the local church, uh, importance of local assemblies. It was the pattern of Paul as he went around to various regions and preached the gospel to establish new local bodies of believers. And so it's only in the local body that there can be this level of intimacy that is required in that Hebrews 10 passage. The New Testament also teaches that every believer is to be under the protection and the nurture of leadership of the local church. Christ is the good shepherd, certainly, and he gives his authority through under-shepherds in the local body to encourage and to admonish and to teach the flock. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. A little bit later in that same chapter, verse 17, says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So active local church membership is imperative to living a life without compromise. It's only through this relationship, through the local church, and submitting to the authority of leadership as, uh, it's, uh, as the under-shepherds that a true believer can truly receive the kind of teaching and accountability that we need. We should never discount the importance of the local, visible assembly of believers. Christ has given authority to the church, and through godly leadership uh, that he has ordained and put in place. And when we try to do things outside of this authority, and therefore chip away at the importance of the local church, we are pulling on a thread that can start to unravel the whole tapestry. Very important. So within this unity, community, and interdependency, the body of one, with all this in mind, let's continue with our text, and, and we'll see how within this unity we also have diversity. Verse 14 says that the body is not one member, but many. There, are, there is a wonderful diversity in the body of Christ, and thank God for it. I said last week that unity does not mean uniformity. All right? um, God didn't make us identical at our first birth, and I think that it's foolish for us to think that he would expect us to be identical at the second birth. There's diversity. We all have different backgrounds. We have different levels of education. Uh, we have different vocations. There are different cultures and ethnicities represented within the body. Now, sometimes I wish we had more diversity here in this local assembly just so we could have a better picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. There is unity to be found through our diversity. Now, one of the reasons Paul is writing this letter, again, was in response to the division in the church at Corinth. I've already mentioned this division was happening over leadership. But it also uh, indicates throughout the letter that there was uh, some jealousy of the members over which gifts they had throughout the church. They were jealous over other members' gifts. And he's just been addressing this in the first part of this chapter, of how God distributes different gifts to the members and that that distribution is according to his will. See this in verse 11. And it's important for each of us to recognize that what we have, all that we have, where it comes from, and be content with what we have. Selfishness is never satisfied. And envy is never content. We will always want more. There's a wide variety of differing gifts and functions within the body. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Not everybody has the same function nor should they expect to. In the body, there are visible members such as the eyes and the nose and, and, and the ears and mouths and hands and feet. They're very important. And yet, they're still 
very vitally important members that are hidden, such as the lungs and the heart, and even the brain. And we know how this works. In our church, we have those that are gifted at teaching, are gifted at singing. And then there, there are those that are gifted at greeting and gifted at cleaning. It goes both ways. Some are good at maintenance, and some have the gift of compassion or hospitality, mercy, encouragement, the gift of prayer. Even some serve that purpose of just consistency and support. Even our bodies are more than just arms and legs. They are livers and spleens and, and intestines. These things that Paul describes as uh, not being very presentable. And even then, we forget about the importance of our skin and our eyelashes and, and the millions of cells and other microscopic members that make up our body and they just go about their business, doing their job, going largely unnoticed. Some of us may think that if we're not those visible members with these special gifts and skills that we're of no value to the body. But it's not true. This is what Paul addresses here in the first part of our text. Verse 15 shows how a foot might think that it isn't part of the body or it isn't important because it's not an eye or it's not a hand, Scripture says. Uh, but that doesn't make it any less part of the body. Or an ear thinks because it's not an eye that it's not useful to the body. The point is we can't all be the same thing. We can't all do the same thing. Verse 17 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? And you can picture uh, the body being made up of one big ear or one big walking tongue. Try to get that image out of your brain. We know that this, the, this will not work. The body can't function that way. There is strength within diversity, and we shouldn't be jealous of other gifts or others' roles because we have our own function to perform. You know, in our bodies, there are some parts that there are only one of. Only one. There's only one nose. It wouldn't make sense to try and smell with our ears. Um, I could try to walk on one of my hands or even both of my hands, but I think I'd and I might be able to do it, but I think I'd be a lot more successful at walking with my feet. There's only one brain per body, one each, giving instruction and control. And for any of the other members to want to perform that same function would not only be confusing, but it would be unhealthy. The foot doesn't have a different will than the hand. Each are to be controlled by the head. And the same goes for the church. Of course, there are many members that uh, do multiple functions. Our feet may walk and run, but they can also uh, kick a ball. They can dance. They can drive a car. At least push the accelerator. Our eyes not only guide our bodies around, but we can also read with them. Our nose breathes, but it also smells. Our mouth is, is multifunctional. It can uh, breathe, it talks, it, it tastes, it chews. We can even blow up a balloon. 
the thyroid, who knows what all it does. All I know is that those of you who have had your thyroid removed know that it disturbs everything else when it's not functioning properly. The point is that all have an important part to perform within the body. And we need to do it, all of us. We need not to be jealous of what others are doing. To trust that God has all of us exactly where He wants us and He has gifted us as such. Look at verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desires. So, with this diversity, there is also a necessity of the members. Each and every person within the body is needed. You're here for a reason. The physical human body is God's perfect creation. Every part is there for a specific reason. Nothing is there by mistake. And even those members who appear to be weaker or appear to have less value are just as important. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. You know, sometimes people are very quick to expose the weaker member. And it's unfortunate. Often they do so to try to make themselves look stronger ignoring any deficiencies in their own life. It's much easier to shift the focus to someone else. But as we know, appearances can be very deceiving. I think that um, if we would be much more concerned with doing what God has gifted us to do, doing what our God-given function is, to the best of our ability, then the body would be much stronger overall. It's also important to accept the fact that God has placed each one of us exactly where he wants us. And he's gifted us to do exactly what he wishes to accomplish. Remember, in the context of this letter, the church there at Corinth, the members were forgetting their place and they were refusing to function in their necessary positions that God had placed them in. Here's a little illustration. One day it occurred to the members of the body that they were doing all the work and that the belly was having all the food. So they held a meeting and after a long discussion decided to strike work until the belly consented to take its proper share of the work. So for a day or two, the hands refused to take food. The mouth refused to receive it and the teeth had no work to do. But after a day or two, members began to find that they themselves were not in very active condition. The hands could hardly move. The mouth was all parched and dry, while the legs were unable to support the rest. Thus they found that even the belly, in its dull, quiet way, was doing necessary work for the body, and that all must work together or the body would go to pieces. The human body does not exist to meet the needs of the hand. The hand exists to meet the needs of the body, and in turn, by doing so, it has its needs met as well. Church is the same. The body of Christ does not exist to meet our needs. We exist to carry out the work of the body and 
while we do so, our needs are met as well. God has placed each one of us in the body where he wants us. And disclaiming our responsibility doesn't remove it. Refusing to function as a part of the body should be considered disobedience. Now, it goes without saying that we have many opportunities here at the church. There's a never-ending supply of, of service opportunities. Some formal, some informal, some visible, some not. I know for the last few weeks we've been asking you to pray over uh, the idea that maybe God is leading you to work at the information desk. We would encourage you to do so. Be sensitive to God's calling. Uh, that could be some place where you could just really thrive and, and use your gifting uh, in this church. But there's also informal opportunities to greet. All of us in the auditorium or the foyer, as we see our members or our guests, have the obligation to reach out and make people, people feel welcome. Upwards coming up, we need people to step up for that ministry. Commissioners fill slots of those that have been faithfully serving that perhaps need a break. We always need more Sunday school teachers. Not so much to fill the ones or the needs we have now, always, but just to be encouraging and developing that next generation. As we grow, we hope to grow Sunday school classes, and it's important now to have backup for each teacher to have a break and, and uh, have someone there that they can depend on, as well as gaining skills and, and confidence so that when that need arises, you can step into it. There's always projects and maintenance and stuff like that going around uh, behind the scenes. The kid ministry and student ministries are full of opportunities. But I don't want you to think that it's just confined to this campus, to these walls. We as the body of Christ, we, we transcend this one location, and all of us have gifts that whether we can use it in this location or around the community or around the world, we need to be functioning the way God has gifted us. It could be anything from providing meals to evangelizing to um, following up with visitors, caring for the sick, you name it. So there is a diversity within the body. And there is a necessity of each member. And there also should be a humility. Humility. Verse 23. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacks, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. No member should consider itself more important than the other. Now, some members, such as the brain or the tongue, have uh, very important and visible roles. They have roles that uh, have a lot of responsibility and influence over the other members. But just as the pastor has the leadership authority of the church and the responsibility to guard the flock, he is, uh, and no one else serves in that function. It's a unique function. He is no better or no greater than those who serve in the nursery. In fact, Paul shows here that the lesser-known member often receives more honor. Just like the, 
the body has a wide variety of little-known or little-thought-of members that quietly function in support of the whole. The same is true for the body of Christ. You know, when we get to heaven one day, I think that we're most likely going to be very surprised on that day uh, to find out who, done, who has done the greatest work for the kingdom. And God is much more concerned with our conduct and our motives and our heart than He is with our accomplishments. There will be those there that have done great work for the Lord that nobody ever has heard of or even knew about just because they've done their part quietly and just served God faithfully and trustworthy over the years. So just because one member is more presentable than another or draws a bigger following doesn't mean that he's building with gold and silver and those precious stones. Much of what is visible is often wood, hay, and stubble. That, that is burnt up at the judgment. It has no eternal value. When we remember that everything we have is from God, everything, our talents, our intellect, our positions, our physical health, even the ability to walk and talk, our jobs, our family, where we were born, even the family that we were born to are all given to us by God. When we keep this perspective, it should give us a weapon against pride and a resource for humility. We also need to remember that not all that appear to be a part of the body actually are. 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. Even in our physical bodies, we find things that just shouldn't be there. Sometimes that they are hard to detect because they look like they should be. Other times they have the appearance of being healthy or even helpful. But ultimately they prove to be destructive. Not all growth is beneficial. Not all increase indicates health. When our bodies show an increase of white blood cells, that means that there's some kind of infection, some kind of invasion of our body. Now, there's some parts that will infiltrate and, and grow and sometimes will incorporate other members of the body and prove to be cancerous. The body of Christ, all of us, each one of us, must stay guarded against such infection and strive for purity, purity of the body. I said last week that Satan, if he can't attack and divide the church from without, you can bet that he will try to attack and divide from within. That's the way he works. And this should be a stern warning to each one of us to not be that wedge. Not be used like that. And be on guard for those that sort of wedge to come in and try to divide us. Stay sharp. And be aware of those things that would be attracted to the body working, even growing, but perhaps outside the authority of the pastor and ultimately the head of the church, Jesus Christ. You know, I think of Ananias and Sapphira uh, and God's visible 
and immediate a way of showing his standard of purity for the church. There were church members. No indication that they weren't. And yet, God made a very visible display in their life, striking them down as a sign of his high standard of purity in the church. You know, an unhealthy body isn't very effective at keeping disease out. But if the body is strong, and this means that it starts with each one of us. If each member is strong and we are growing and we are functioning as we should, then there is a healthy resistance to this sort of disease. Each member doing their own part, focusing on what their gifting is, what their function is as individuals, the more healthy the whole body will be. And uh, this body will function without disability, without handicap. Its members being completely loyal to one another. Ephesians 4, verse 14 says, We are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together, fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So I would encourage you to nourish the body. Nourish the body by feeding on the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the Word. He says He is the bread of life. Feed on the Word. Stay away from junk food. There are plenty of things out there that Christians should avoid teaching and, and uh, heresy that's disguised and cloaked as truth. Work out your faith and do it as individual members of the body so that this body of Christ, this body of one, may be strong. The stronger we are as individuals, the more we will have that strong unity that uh, we seek in Christ. You know, I want you to know that I feel so blessed to be here, supporting and ministering alongside each and every one of you. I feel that God has great things for this church and, and this community. And I look forward to serving with each and every one of you as long as God has us all here together. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your many blessings. I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. We want to thank you for bringing us together here in this local body of believers, First Baptist Church. Thank you for placing each and every one of us here. Well, we need that support. We need that encouragement. We need to be unified as we take a strong stand in this world. Lord, we also need each other to encourage one another <clears throat> and hold each other accountable. Help us to be faithful. Help us to persevere. Help us to keep our focus on you in that day where uh, we look forward to seeing you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.